Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, a product of Talent 409. I'm your host, Colin Cernelia. Go to talent409.com to see how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. On each episode of the pod, we'll bring you conversations with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, driving accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. Have questions for me or a guest? Email Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at talent409.com. And let's chat. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Radio.com, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Help us find other dynamic leaders and help dynamic leaders find us. All right, on to my featured guest conversation today with Kalia Collier. Kalia is the owner and general manager of the St. Louis Surge, a women's professional basketball team. A former basketball player herself, Kalia has owned the Surge since she was in her early 20s and has since gone on to build an organization that is focused on not only wins and losses, but education, community, and she is a fascinating person dominating in an industry that is traditionally very male-oriented. So let's not waste any more time in this introduction. Here is my conversation with Kalia Collier. And welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest, Miss Kalia Collier. Kalia, thank you so much for joining the show today. Colin, thank you very much for having me. Super excited to be on. <laughs> That's always great to hear when there's excitement on the other end. I'm super excited to have you on because you are such an incredible person that has really great leadership qualities and has done so many amazing things. We're going to talk about a number of those things uh, here in just a minute. But first, before we get too far ahead, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? I am born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, Um, a true sports fanatic, um, a true community activist, really just loves making community impact, uh, which is really went along perfectly with uh, what we've created a brand from scratch here in the St. Louis market with the St. Louis Surge. Uh, So I'm the owner and general manager of our very own women's professional basketball team here in the St. Louis market, and we've been growing and building, really redefining what it means to win, not just through wins and losses, but through community impact. Uh, and it shapes who I am today. That's an amazing concept to hear coming from somebody in a leadership position like yourself, because more often than not, and I think you probably know this being in professional sports, where it can be very cutthroat, that wins and losses a lot of times are the most important thing. That's kind of like the bottom line in the corporate business world with money and it's refreshing to hear that your values and the things that you want to accomplish as a business owner and as a leader for your organization is focused on something like the community. So I definitely want to acknowledge you for that. And I want to dive in a little bit deeper into that here in just a minute. But first, you mentioned that you are a sports fanatic and obviously grew up playing athletics. And I saw that you had an opportunity to play college basketball. Can you tell us a little bit about 
the work ethic it took and when you recognized maybe that you had a chance to play this uh, at a little bit higher level than a lot of people have the opportunity to do? Yeah, I think growing up as a kid, um, I started playing basketball at the age of five. My dad was my first basketball coach. Uh, and it was without question the first game I fell in love with. Uh, so being in the gym, uh, long hours, playing one-on-one with yourself was exactly <laughs> how I grew up with just the, the love and passion and commitment to get better every single day. Fast forward into middle school, high school, uh, the ultimate goal was, of course, to play professional basketball. And headed into college, uh, I was heavily recruited, and I decided to kind of go a different direction. And I went to a smaller school in Columbia, at Columbia College in Missouri, and I was super injury prone. Uh, I, I couldn't stay healthy to save my life. Uh, and it was, it was one of those things to where you talk about making, you get to a level to where you're competing at a high level. It's without question a tremendous amount of work. Uh, and then you have to rethink what your next steps are. And thankfully for me, I actually played golf uh, as well as high school a little bit. It ended up transitioning from uh, a basketball scholarship to a golf scholarship my senior year of college. Oh, wow. So I've, I've kind of had this dual role in sports, which really gave me a transition into the business world. So when you decided you were going to transition, I mean, obviously, whether it's age or injury or a combination of that, I think that ends a lot of our sports careers when you're talking to former athletes, father time, right? Undefeated. And you have to transition into something else because fortunately, this is a good thing, although it's hard to see it when you're playing and you're in competitive sports, the longer part of your life is more than likely going to be life after sports, right? So when you were making that transition, you became a business owner at a relatively young age. How did you have the intuition to get this all started? And just tell us a little bit about what that process was like. Uh, I took this crazy leap of faith out of college. What a lot of people didn't realize is that uh, since I transitioned into golf my senior year of college, I had a lot more time on my hands. Uh, So I ended up transitioning into corporate very early, which gave me a foundation and experience to really understand what a Fortune 500 company look like. Um, and having responsibilities at a really early age, I felt like really prepared me uh, to take that crazy leap of faith of saying, you know what, I want to own a basketball team at 23. And in May of 2011, that was a really big jump of saying, I really didn't know everything that it didn't tell, um, but I knew that I would put 110% of my effort of really understanding all the dynamics as many as I could in the business of sports. So what that meant for me, was meeting with um, every team in the St. Louis region, uh, in the Midwest region, getting an idea of the teams that folded, the teams that were successful, uh, and trying to piece together to the best uh, of my ability to say, what kind of franchise do we have the ability to create in an untapped market that has not seen women's professional sports at this level consistently? And it, it was often to see just how the community took to it with this skepticism, my corporate background really equipped me uh, to have the, the structure that I needed to say, all right, this is how I'm going to target local and national sponsors in order to grow this franchise. Now let's jump back to the community involvement aspect of what you do as a business owner and you make it something that is very clearly a part of the surge and how you want your athletes to represent the organization as well. 
when you say that you want the surge players, for example, to be leaders and mentors in the community, what do you specifically mean by that? Uh, for us, Colin, everything that we have, we've earned by being entrenched in the community. Uh, so what that meant with a, an entire philosophy of recruiting character first without sacrificing talent was very simple for us to really start to implement that uh, if you don't like kids, if you don't naturally like to volunteer, you're not going to be a great fit with our program. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the grassroots stuff that we've done by being in school districts, by working with a lot of our nonprofit partners, has been the core foundation of our fan base. And that part about who we are as a brand will never go away. Um, it's about really being focused on community and impact, really actually just being personable and caring about other people. And seeing this parallel, which is amazing, that unites people no better than the power of sport. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, that the community involvement, and this is something that I often say to coaches or athletic directors, you know, people that are leading organizations, is that when you connect to something that's bigger than your sport or your team or whatever it is, and a lot of times that is your community, like who are the people that you're yep. representing and how can you get more involved? I really love that. And I think that's something that I just wish more people would take a little bit more initiative with. It's not that they don't take it seriously, but it seems like you've obviously taken that initiative and made it a part of your business model. And one of the other aspects that I noticed that is part of your model, and this is a really interesting thing for me, having the corporate background that I did prior to doing the work that I do. So education is a piece that's really important for you to stress. We are in an era where a tech giant like Amazon, for example, is no longer making a bachelor's degree a priority for job qualifications. For you, it's something that as a person and as a business owner, which can be two different things, but it seems like personally, that's something that you really want to stress to the people that are helping you run the organization and also to the athletes that are part of your organization. Can you talk to me a little bit more about why the education piece is so important. Yeah, that part has been a personal and strategic decision for me in terms of making sure that all of our players have um, graduate degrees. And the reason for that and why I felt like it's a strategic decision is because education has been a, a really forefront of women's athletics because you're not coming out your first year getting a $100 million deal or a multi-million dollar deal that can sustain you through the course of your lifetime as our counterpart. And so since your education is still very much so essential for what do you do after basketball? What do you do after your career? And so my job that I really started to look at things a little bit different was to say, okay, how do we get to do this simultaneously? Why do I have to wait for you to get injured or for you to fall out of love with the game for you to start looking at career opportunities? So your education has been a core component of saying this is going to give you options post your basketball career if you don't want to just be a coach or if you don't want to just say you have options of, you know, you have a marketing degree, communication degree, or whatever that may be, let's give you options that's not just tied to the game. And then let's see how we can create opportunities that are front office positions that you can understand this is how you build and run a franchise. So differently than now you've played the game that you've loved your entire life. 
so that's been a decision. Uh, and I think that's everyone's personal choice of depending on the technical skill that you need uh, for a job. But in women's professional athletics, the pay gaps are just staggering compared to our male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And so this gives you the ability to say, you know what, while I'm playing basketball, I can go do this. When I'm done, I can go do this. And really shortens that gap and creates more opportunities long term. Uh, until we start to see that change, uh, and I do think that landscape is continuously broadening, broadening for women's professional sports. Uh, I think you're personally, I think your degree is a key part of that. So piggybacking off that a little bit, one of the points of emphasis I noticed about you as a business owner, and I think this is rightfully so, that you make it a point to hire women for your front office positions, jobs that traditionally were going to men. Is it important, though, for you to try to find a gender balance, or is there more of a diversity piece that goes into that decision-making process, like when you're trying to compile what your front office or what your support staff is going to look like? It's me being really intentional of who I want a part of my team. Uh, a part of the front office, a part of our staff, a part of our in-stadium experience uh, is being very intentional with the talent, the personalities, and I want that to represent a diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been something that's always been at the inception of Surge and why it actually reflects our fan base as well of seeing just how diverse we are on and off the court. And for women having those opportunities, it's even more important to be intentional, to recruit incredible talent and say, hey, you know, we need this position in marketing. We need this position in communications by attorneys, by a physician. And everything that builds a franchise, I want equal representation. Uh, and that's something that my, my guys are always going to get opportunities. They're always throwing their name in a hat for uh, positions in sports. And now we're seeing more women get that opportunity. So, yes, I want my staff to be reflective of that. And it's even better when I've had players that's had incredible careers that have two degrees because they took advantage of their fifth year and got a master's degree, and now we're transitioning for them to understand the behind the scenes of what happens to ensure that they get on the court. It makes for an even better career when you stand when you understand it holistically. Sure, and so I think I asked a pretty similar question to Rebecca, one of your players, when I had her on the podcast a couple months ago, and you mentioned it when you were just explaining things, how in the men's sports, there are starting to become more opportunities for women to get involved. And because the men's sports are a little bit more, they're further ahead in that evolution process when you're just talking strictly money opportunities, right? Where you can make a livable wage and don't necessarily have to worry as much about the stability aspect as you do in some, unfortunately, in some of the women's professional sports. Do you worry that the way that you can first attract and recruit good talent and then later be able to retain them, do you, do you worry that that aspect is being taken away from you because some of the people that would have been you know, knocking down the door for opportunities with you are now seeing like the NBA hire women and they're like, oh, well, there's greener pasture ahead? Oh, absolutely not. No, that's not a worry at all because there's so much talent that is out there for these opportunities that are being created now within the NBA of them seeing the value of having a talented woman in the front office, a talented woman on the recruiting staff, a talented woman on their coaching staff. Uh, 
the more opportunities, the more we have to fill those spots. And there is definitely an overflow of talent that are looking for those opportunities. Sure. So there's no shortage uh, running out of being like, hey, the more the better. And the more the merrier, this gives us uh, a chance to really kind of actually make things equal from seeing this instead of it being an 80 to 20 rep- representation where we're really starting to see it level out. So we're hopefully within the next five to 10 years, we at least get it to be 60, 40 to 50, 50. 30 second break to talk about my sponsor, Sweat with Scott. What a great sponsor she is. She's been with Pod since day one, and we love having her support. Sweat with Stods offers a number of different options to get you on a path to improve your fitness future. Everything from fitness, nutrition, and simple healthy habits. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sweatwithstods.com right now, and when you buy a program, enter the code DYNAMIC at checkout to receive a discount for being a loyal podcast listener. Now back to the show. You take it upon yourself to connect your players with opportunities outside of basketball. I think it's a very noble thing that you do. And I'd love for you to share with the listening audience how you go about networking, like how you build professional relationships with people. Because I think that's probably one of the hardest things to learn how to do. And if you can do it, not only personally for yourself, you've been able to become a business owner at such a young age and continue to do that now for a long time, but you're also able to help other people. Like there must be some magic formula to the way that you network and build professional relationships. There's no magic formula, Colin. I, I wish <laughs> I could say, you know, if here's the equation that I make happen, um, it's really challenging yourself to put yourself in uncomfortable spaces, uh, to be very intentional, to position yourself in a room of people to where, you know, you either aspire to be like, they're going to be a great connection for you. And then once you establish and you get that initial intro, you follow up and then you follow up and then you follow up. Uh, and that consistent, persistent, it works. And then on the flip side of once you have a network and you've established a network, the, the greatest gift that you can give is being able to connect them to other great people. Uh, so that is come organically for me. The opportunity to introduce um, members of my staff, interns, uh, our players, to other people that I know would be great for them to meet. And vice versa, of taking the time to have those coffee meetings, those breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, so on and so forth. And then once you meet with someone, actually just following up to make sure you do it again in that balance theme isn't always you're just asking, asking, or taking, taking. Mm -hmm. You're absorbing, you're listening. And then you don't know how that relationship pays off in a year to two years, but it's not that instant gratification. Uh, I've never looked at networking and being like, okay, I'm going to give my card to somebody right now and then this is going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I've always thought that's kind of in poor taste of meeting someone and just letting that relationship happen organically. And I think the network that we've been able to provide under the third umbrella has been great for players to be able to take advantage of because you aren't taught to network. Um, so connecting to where it's a, a dotted line connection and saying, hey, I want to be in this space. Do you know anybody here who can help me work with kids? Yes, we have a nonprofit executive director that I can get you to have coffee with. And then have you thought about this or this? And then making sure that we're walking through our players in terms of their credit scores, that they understand money management, not just jumping to wealth management. But, hey, when's the last time you looked at your credit report? You know, are you building to a 750 credit score after this to make sure you're independent from your parents? That 
we're taking you through home buying. Uh, at some point, we want to make sure that you have assets, that you understand what those are. You may not be in a position to do it in the next six months or next year, but at some point, you should be buying a home. And just keeping these core fundamental components of life skills, and then when you equip that with someone who's already incredibly talented, already competitive, and has had success, it fast-tracks them in the direction they're headed. Yeah, it definitely seems like it would streamline that whole process for them because those are, like you said, those life skills are aspects that I think a lot of us wish we learned a little bit earlier in life, like maybe in high school and throughout our adolescent times. And then we get to be in our 20s and it's like, what do I do with this? How do how do I pay, you know, find a good mortgage and different things like that? When you are teaching those life skills, is that is it you specifically that is putting them in a classroom and teaching the players or teaching the staff or are you outsourcing? Like how do, how do you get that information, whatever it is, if it's teaching them how to buy a house or what a good credit score looks like and how to manage that, where is that information coming from? Those are established partnerships, resources, um, and experts that have been a part of the surge umbrella that we're able to, put, to outsource that out. You can't be an expert in everything. Sure. Uh, and I do not think I'm qualified in any way to say, hey, this is what all the steps you need to do uh, to buy a home, or these are all the things you need to do to protect yourself from cybersecurity. We bring in an expert within our partnerships that really put the right tools in front of our players. That way they can build that rapport themselves and ask all the questions they need to on a one-to-one basis outside of just being able to do that in a group as well. Have you found that particular aspect, like teaching the life skills, whatever it may be, is something that has evolved over your time as a business owner? Like, was that something that initially coming in you thought was important to give to them and you gave to them right away? Or was it something that you observed and noticed over your time and said, hey, this might be something that we can offer that will help differentiate us, but also obviously really prepare our players for life after sports? Oh, it's definitely evolved um, since the inception of Surge and really understanding the need of players who've been overseas two, three, five plus years who are now, you know what, they're in this stagnation of like, maybe I don't want to go overseas another year or am I done playing ball? But if I'm done, what do I do next? And seeing this continuous cycle was like, hey, there's a need for us. I can make sure that we're going to compete at the highest level. We're going to contend for a national championship. You're going to be developed on the court uh, professionally, but we want to make sure we now parallel that personally. That evolved really within our third to fourth season of getting the right caliber of players to understand the resources that we offer. So it it became very apparent to me, if you just want to fall, we are not the program for you. (laughs) Um, you, you have to have a, a bigger scope of saying, hey, I'm very interested in these crew opportunities. I'm not ready to hang up, you know, the gym shoes, but this is what I'm looking to do. And then it creates this, you're still doing what you love, but still building a career on the other side simultaneously. Yeah, that's so cool. And obviously the surge as an organization, you've experienced a lot of success, a couple championships and I can only assume that you'd obviously like to win more here in the future, but what else does the business future hold for you? What are some of the things that you're looking to accomplish? Winning another national championship is always the cherry on the top. Without question, it's always been establishing a brand while winning. 
you know, winning is an expectation, a part of our program, uh, and making sure that we are competing at the highest level. Uh, and that's something that I'm very proud and passionate about, of assembling a product of women who compete at a very high and intense level uh, and the talent that we attract a part of our franchise. And that's something that we want to continuously do. But as we evolve and we grow, we really want to be able to take our surge model and the blueprint and make sure that we're not a continued island. We're not on a continued island by ourselves. We've seen um, in creating platforms for other women in other markets that the same things that we offer under the surge umbrella we're seeing in Ohio, you know, we're seeing in Wisconsin, we're seeing in Nebraska. You know, those are opportunities as we continue to look at where women's professional sports continuing to grow across the landscape um, is where I want to make sure we have a seat at the table of spearheading that direction for the future of women's sports for the next 10, 25, 50 years and so on and so forth. It's a lot of short-term goals that really build into the vision of where I see us in the future. And that's, of course, establishing and building upon the foundation that we've established here in St. Louis. Um, we've grown to two to 3,000 fans. We want to continue exceeding that number, really being a tourist attraction here in the city, continuing to make the impact on and off the court that we've done consistently now for the past eight seasons. And I look forward to seeing what the next 10 years has to uh, pop all across because I think it, it's an exciting time building any women's franchise in any market. I'm certainly excited as well to continue to follow along now in the short amount of time that I first got introduced to Rebecca and I've just learned more about you and the organization. And I'm going to throw in the show notes, all of the, the website, social media following for the St. Louis surge. But Kalia, if there's anyone that you know, an inspired individual from today's conversation that wants to get in touch with you, whether it's basketball, whether it's business, whatever it may be. Is there an easy way for somebody to reach out and touch base with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm always, I'm kind of one of those 24 seven people. So I encourage anyone to reach out directly via email, korea.collier at stlsurgebasketball.com. And for those who are looking to, you know, I want to make contact. I want to see, you know, or learn more. All I ask is that you do your research in advance. And that's with every follow-up that I have. Um, I'm trying to meet an exec or establish a partnership or just, you know, have a sit-down coffee. I make sure that I come in prepared. And I think that sets you up for any long-term relationship that you want to build. Yes. Thank you for that advice. And my last question, Kalia, before I let you go here is, the show is called Dynamic Leaders, and obviously there's a number of people throughout our lives that inspire us and show us how to lead in one way or another. But I'd like to give you an opportunity if there's one person that you can shout out on today's show and tell us a little bit about why they stand out to you. Uh, Colin, it's always too hard for me to just pick one leader. I've been incredibly blessed uh, with an extreme amount of gratitude for the amount of leaders who have invested in me. And that I've been able to take bits and pieces from every single one of them uh, that's really shaped my leadership style, my development. So I can't say that it's just one, unfortunately, but in a, in a good way, um, there's so many women who Maxine Clark, the, the founder of Build a Bear, of just her tenacity of her work ethic, it just makes you, it makes you better. You know, Mary Elizabeth, who runs an incredible nonprofit for young girls who is just constantly empowering and pouring in 
uh, to young people to ensure that our future generations uh, feel equipped. So I think that makes it kind of shapes me in terms of I understand our bottom line. I understand the direction we need to go in order to generate revenue, but I understand how to lead with compassion and empathy because of the people that I've been surrounded with. All right, Clea. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation here with me and share all your expertise and advice with our listening audience. I know I got a lot out of this conversation, so I'm sure others will as well. And I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. It's been great to talk to you and get to know you a little bit more. I definitely appreciate it, Colin. Um, I I love seeing the the caliber of people that you get to interview every single month of tuning in of listening to other dynamic leaders only makes you better. So uh, thank you for including me a part of the uh, dynamic group. That wraps up my conversation with Kalia. Thank you again to her for hopping on the podcast. I know how busy she was and I wish we had had more time to chat, but she is so concise and so direct with her answers because she knows what she's talking about. So even though we didn't have as much time as I normally do with guests on this podcast, we were still able to get through a ton of information and that was such a cool conversation. Quick shout out to my sponsor, Sweat with Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com today to see what she can do for your fitness future tomorrow, either virtually or if you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Shout out to all of my listeners. Thank you, as always, for coming back week after week and supporting me through this venture. No podcast Thursday this week or next week for that matter. I am going to be in Aruba, but through the powers of technology, you will still get the normal Monday podcast. It will be a solo podcast on Monday, October 21st. So that's what we got coming up next. 